Morning, church. The title uh, we're talking about this morning is He Still Moves Mountains. Does God still move mountains? How many of you have a mountain in your life that you need moved? How many have a mountain in your life that you need moved? Raise your hand. You don't have to tell me what it is. You have a mountain? Now, raise your hand high if you have a mountain in your life that you need moved. Now, how many of you have seen this mountain move? Raise your hand high if this mountain has been moving before your eyes. Okay, I don't see as many hands as at first. This morning, I'm not going to preach to everyone, but I'm going to preach to those of you that have your hand up and you have a mountain in front of you that you need moved and especially to those who have not yet seen the mountain moved. We know that God is an amazing, powerful God, but there is a side to God that is ruthless. And I want to speak to you today about a ruthless God who moves mountains. Amen? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father God, we bow before you because you are God and we are just, we are yours, but we are not God. But you invite us, Lord, to be not just servants of you, not just friends, but to be your bride. And Lord, we come into this relationship with you. We love you with all our hearts. And we come to you today as our husband, as our bride, as our, as our lover, to understand how much you do love us and to understand sometimes the unusual ways you treat us. You move mountains, Lord, and help us to see today what you are doing in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want to speak to you about Lazarus today. Anyone know the story? The story of Lazarus? Let me read to you just a little bit from the beginning of the story. It's in John chapter 11, if you have your Bibles. It starts off, John chapter 11 says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, the one you love is sick. Who was sick? The one you you love is sick. First of all, we need to understand something. If God moves mountains, first of all, we need to understand that he has created mountains. First of all, you need to understand that if God's going to move a mountain in your life, you need to understand, first of all, that there's going to be what in your life? Mountains. Mountains are going to show up in your life. Look at Lazarus. The one you love is what? Doing well. He's healthy. He's blessed. He's got the job of his life. He just married the girl of his dreams. His kids are doing well. He just got a $50,000 raise. The one you love, Lord, is blessed by God. Amen? It'd be nice, wouldn't it, if we could all say amen. But the one you love is sick. First thing we need to know about our lover, about our husband, God himself, is that he will sometimes see his loved ones sick. Here is Lazarus. This was no ordinary friend. Lazarus was a special friend of God. Do you know how many friends Jesus had while he was on earth? Now, some of you have friends at work. Do we make a distinction between our coworkers and our friends, at, you know, our real friends? 
Sometimes we do. Sometimes our coworkers become real friends. Sometimes they cross that line. It takes a while, though. But there's a, we know who our true friends are. We know when it's our birthday who we spend our birthday with. We know when we're depressed and sad who's on our speed dial and who do we call. Who do we talk to? There are acquaintances, there are coworkers, there are friends, and then there are our best friends, aren't there? And Lazarus was one of the best friends of Jesus. I think there were probably only three. You see, the disciples were his co-workers. They were his, his uh, students, his disciples. He was training them. But when he was in trouble and he needed a place to go, he couldn't always find that with the disciples. He tried to confide in Peter once that, you know, about the cross, I have to do this thing. And Peter just said, oh, Lord, this won't happen to you. And he had to say, get behind me, Satan. He, he couldn't really talk to, to his disciples. They didn't quite see him on that level. But there was a place he would go in Bethany and he would hang out with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And the Bible says here, the one you love. These were special friends of his. This, there was uh, once a meal, the only you know, social meal ever recorded for Jesus was at their house. Where do you go on Saturday afternoon? When church is over, you know who your friends are, don't you? Sabbath afternoon, you'll know who your friends are. Where are you hanging out? Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, where are you? You know. And Jesus hung out with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And then it says here in verse 5, Now Jesus, what? Loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Now let's make it clear. At first it says, Jesus, the one you love is sick. Well, maybe they were just trying to, you know, build him up a little bit. Your favorites, Jesus, your favorites ones are sick. You know, like everybody said, oh, Lord, remember me? Remember me? Well, but here it says that Jesus loved them. These were his best friends. Probably can be considered they were his only friends. Remember, he couldn't talk to his brothers from home. They were kind of a little different. They didn't really believe in him till later. Disciples were like the co-workers, and here he has his best friends. And what do we find has happened to Lazarus? Lazarus, the one you love, is sick. Have you ever found yourself wondering why you're sick? Why you have this mountain before you? Why you have had to face this trial? Have you ever said to yourself, I don't get it. I, I gave my tithe. I went to church. I... I did this, I did that, I prayed, I believed, and now you're facing a mountain. Have you ever asked yourself that question? It's time to ask questions like that. Lazarus had to ask this question. Wait a minute, Lord, why am I sick? I'm your, one of your best friends. You, you walk into town and you heal thousands. There were towns that Jesus walked into and it said when, that not a sick person left, was left behind because he healed them all. Have you read that? He walked into a town, and every single person that wanted healing came up to him and got it healing. Every single one. And so, how do you feel when you're his best friend, you're the guy he has lunch with on Saturday afternoon, and you're sick? I mean, you just pull out your cell phone, hit number one, hey, Jesus, he's got you on speed dial. He, hey, Lazarus, what's up? He knows he's got your name on his phone. Right? I mean, do you think my kids have problems finding help for their math problems? No. I'm a math teacher. 
Do my kids have, do my friends, do any of my friends ever have problems with math they can't solve? No. They got me on speed dial. Hey, what's up? You know, it's solved. I got a friend who's a mechanic. You know, we got a, we got a mechanic problem. We call him up. You know, my, my brother, my, all, all my family's medical. So many times I've driven to the, to, the, uh, to the clinic, don't go in, but the doctor walks out of the clinic, walks up to my car, hands me some, some, some black market drugs, <laughs> and I drive off. No waiting in line. That's my brother. That's my baby brother. You know? When you got friends, you got connections. You don't wait in line, do you? And here is Lazarus. He's sick. And who is his best friend? Jesus. You tell me, does this make sense? You tell me how you would feel at this point. You tell me how you would feel if the one person that helps everybody won't help you. How do you feel? Well, you call him up. Now, you, you know, he's not around, but you call him up and you say, Jesus, hey, Lazarus is sick. Come on. What do they expect? What would you do? What would you do if your best friend was in trouble? The other day was past midnight. I was exhausted, had been up several nights in a row. It was past midnight, and a friend called, and he had had some, some problems, some girl problems. He was depressed. You been there? One o'clock in the morning by the time we finished talking. You know what I ended up doing? What, do you, what does a friend do for a friend? Got back in my car. Got in my car, drove to a faraway city, showed up at his house, and we hung out for a while. Why? Because that's what friends do. What kind of friend is Jesus? Listen to this. Verse 6. Look at your Bible. Make sure it's not just me saying this, because you need to know. You need to know. You need to read these verses. You who have a mountain in your life. So when he heard that he was sick, he what? He ran to his side. He told the disciples, come, let us go to Bethany. Off we go. Move, 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 move. And the crowd said, Jesus, heal me. No, no, no. Lazarus is sick. I'm on my way. Is that what he did? He stayed where he was. How long? Two more days. It would be four days before he would ever see Lazarus again. How do you feel? Raise your hand if you have a mountain in your life and God has not showed up. Now, now, now we're getting somewhere, aren't we? Now you're starting to feel what I'm feeling? Starting to hear what I'm saying? You got a mountain in your life and you raised your hand and you said you have a mountain and then I said, has your mountain moved? I didn't see any hands go up, but a few in the back. You prayed, I'm sure, right? We all believe in prayer. Did we not pray? God, Deliver me from this mountain. Break this sickness. Fix this relationship. Help my job. We all pray, but did Jesus show up? I'm sure, I'm sure we have some testimonies in this room. Raise your hand if you could share a testimony. You're not going to right now, but if you have a testimony, you've seen him show up. Okay, now put your hands down. Now raise your hand if you're wondering why he has not yet showed up. We don't want to raise our hands for that, but there are, your hands are down. You know why your hands are down? Not because you, don't, because you don't know what I'm talking about, because you don't want to raise your hand. Your hand's like this. Because everybody in this room knows what I'm talking about. Everybody in this room knows what I'm talking about, that sometimes we call him, and instead of coming, he ignores us. 
I am telling you that God can be ruthless. There's a song that, so ruthlessly he loves us. You heard that song? An old Christian song. So ruthlessly he loves us. What are we talking about here? What is Jesus up to? Why would he stay where he was two days to the one he loves? I don't know, but I'm sure you don't need to read the Bible to know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about. My grandfather was a minister, Seventh-day Adventist minister. I'm third generation. I can't remember becoming a Christian. I was born a Christian. I was a Christian before I was born. I can remember being this little, going outside in the backyard and saying, Oh, God, take my heart. And I was trying to see how to get my heart out and give it to him. I didn't understand. How do you give him your heart? Oh, take my heart. I remember other times just kneeling, trying to listen. My mom said, if you listen carefully, you could hear God speak to you. And I'd listen, and I'd listen, but I didn't, I didn't quite hear him out loud. What I'm saying to you is, I was born a Christian. I was born a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. I was an elder, an elder, not a deacon. I was an elder in my church like at 17 years old, preaching sermons, leading out in the youth, Zealous for the Lord. Overzealous for the Lord at times. Just happened to be a God's coincidence. One of my mentors right here, Andy Oyo, sitting right here, just came. Andy, raise your hand. And my Theo, Louis, right here. I didn't even know this was his church. They know. They saw me grow up. Zealous for the Lord at times. Overzealous for the Lord at times. And then, one day, one day, about... 20 years into a relationship with my wife, she says to me, I don't love you, and I don't think this is going to work. But no problem. Why? Oh, because I'm hooked up. Just, just gonna, no problem. Just step over here. Hey, Jesus, got a, little, got an issue going on at home here. Got a little problem. You know, it's Marco. Okay, you'll, you'll be here soon. It's good. All right, no problem. But three years go by, and he hadn't showed up. Do you know what I'm talking about now? Some of you have your own mountains. Some of you have your own mountains. Come on, at least give me a you know, shake into the head if you know what I'm talking about. You've been there. Come on. You've been there. Let's see what Jesus is up to here. Verse 4, Jesus heard that. He does not go. And then he says this, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. This sickness is not unto death. Okay? Now, you get a problem in your life, and you pray, and what do you believe? God still moves mountains! Amen! Amen! Doesn't he? Doesn't God move mountains? He does move mountains. He does. And Lazarus believed that God moved mountains. Lazarus and Mary and Martha, they sat down, and Mary and Martha must have said, Lazarus, come on. Come on. You know it's Jesus. We saw it. We saw him heal the sick. We saw him cleanse the lepers. We know he can do it. There must be a reason he's delayed. There must be a reason. This must be for patience. This suffering must be for patience, Lazarus. Hang in there. God, God's will is perfect. He must, there must be something He's trying to teach you in this. Be patient. You've got to understand what He's teaching you. But when He comes, it's going to be good because He can do all things. 
And so they got pumped up, and they got pumped up, and they, they yeah, 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 Jesus, he's just, he's, he's coming, he's taking his time, he's got everything worked out, he knows what's going on. But they believed, we're going to see a miracle, we're going to see a miracle, he's coming, he's coming. But Lazarus got worse, and got worse. And the problem seemed to increase, and there was no sign of Jesus. And my marriage got worse and worse and worse. The years went on, years went on. Fighting for my marriage, praying for my marriage. And no Jesus. You might be fighting something too. Somebody in this room might have cancer. Somebody in this room might be praying for their kids for something. There are mountains in this room. I think we saw about 40 hands go up when I raised mountains. There's about 40 mountains in this church. And how many of them are moving? We need to see what God is doing. We need to understand. Martha and Mary and Lazarus, they were faithful. They believed. They believed. They did not give up. They believed. But Lazarus kept getting sicker and sicker and worse. But they, they, they kept something. The messenger got back. And the words came back. And the words brought power into their belief. They, Lazarus stood up and he said, I don't know much. I don't know what's happening. And they would say, but Lazarus, you're sick. And where's Jesus? I don't know. I don't have all the answers. All I know, I don't know the future. But, what do they say? But I know who holds the future. You know, Lazarus must have said that. I don't know the future, but I know who holds the future. And the one who holds the future said that this sickness will not end in death. So I'm not worried about it. Isn't that what Jesus said? Did I read it wrong? Did not Jesus say, this sickness will not end in death? Did he say that? And Lazarus said, I don't know, but I've been told. Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. And that's all I believe. And I'm sticking to it. But then there came a day where he couldn't stand up to say that anymore. And so from his bed, he would just say, I don't know. Jesus, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. And that's what I believe. And Mary and Martha, they believed, and they paced day after day, saying, when, Jesus, when are you coming, Jesus? When are you coming? How many know what happened to Lazarus? What happened? He died. You need to hear something, church. You need to hear it good if you've never heard it before. You need to know this, that there will be times in your life where you will feel that God lied to you. Either that, or you will have amazing faith to see beyond the death. Sometimes we just say, well, it was the Lord's will, and we leave it at that. But I don't think that answer is sufficient for this story. Was it the Lord's will that Lazarus died? No, it was not. He had something else in mind, which he said it from the beginning. He said, this sickness will not end in death, but it is for the glory of God. He did not have in mind for Lazarus to die and that to be the end of the story. There was something else going on. But you need to be, you need to be in Lazarus' shoes and Mary and Martha's shoes. You need to know that though you hear the words, this sickness will not end in death, but it will be for the glory of God, you need to think, what were they thinking when their brother died in their arms? What were they thinking? Were they thinking, oh, don't worry, Jesus is going to show up two days from now and raise him from the dead. Were they thinking that? Come on, you've been in a hospital room. Haven't you been there? You have been in the hospital room, haven't you? I don't know if this church has done it, but I'm sure there has been a time in this church where you have anointed and prayed for somebody. 
I think every church around has done that at one time. You have pulled together, maybe stood up all night, did prayer chain, you did something, you anointed the elders, you contended. And that person's not here today, are they? And we say, but Lord, the Bible says this. It says, to him who believes, all things are possible. It says, ask anything in my name and I will do it for you. And you feel, maybe you don't admit it to the pastor, but when you're home alone and no one else is in that room with you, when the visitors have left the hospital room and you're left in the hospital room by yourself and the one you prayed for is not there anymore, you ask yourself, why? Do you know how many millions of people throughout the generations have looked up to heaven and said, Why? Why, God? You said. You said you could do this, you would do this, 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 this. Why? Why did you let this happen? Can you answer that question? Yes, God moves mountains, but you explain to me why he said, Lazarus, you will not end in death, and Lazarus died. Explain that to me. If you can explain that to me, not, not explain it to me, because you can explain it to me. It's so easy to explain it to me. You say, well, all you got to do is read a couple verses more, Marco, and you'll see you raised them from the dead. Now, that's explaining to me. Yeah. If you can believe it when your brother dies, that's what I'm talking about. If you can stand there at the funeral of your brother and say, I don't know. I just know that Jesus said this was for his glory. And that's all I know. That's something special if you can do that. I want to talk just for a moment here about what Jesus was up to. And I want to share something that I think is very profound. See, Jesus loves glory. He loves to move mountains. He wants to astound his people with his love and his miraculous care for them. He wants to do great and amazing things. But not everyone can handle it. Not everyone can handle it. There were many sick people that Jesus ministered to, and I think to many of them, had he turned away from them, they would have been lost forever and turned away from him. They could not handle that. He was looking for a special someone. Somebody that he could do his finest work with. Someone in whom he could display his glory. And someone in whom it would be the finest hour. And one day the message came to him. Hey Jesus, Lazarus is sick. And I think perhaps the thought came, the Holy Spirit came upon him. He had a word of knowledge. He Remember, remember, Jesus did not do anything in his own power, always from the power of the Holy Spirit, always through his Father. And the Holy Spirit enlightened Jesus at that moment what was going on here. And I think Jesus probably cringed. No, no, Father, no. No, Father, not Lazarus. Yes, Lazarus. But, oh, Father, he's going to think I betrayed him. I know. Oh, Father, you can't really mean it. Are you serious? You don't want me to go? No, don't go. But, but Father, I, I'll go in a, in a day or two days? No, you won't. Okay, but I'll get there before, before? No. No, Father? 
Father, not Lazarus. I love Lazarus. He's my... I know. I know. That's why. That's why. Who else will hang in there with you? Who else will let me display my glory among the earth? Oh, Father, not Lazarus. No, please. Let me go. Let me go now. What do you want, Jesus? What do you want? Do you want a story? Or do you want glory? Do you want... Do you want to, just to heal him from his sickness? Or do you want the miracle working power to come upon him? How many of you know Peter had a mom, mother-in-law? Peter's mother-in-law, you ever heard of that? Peter's mother-in-law. Anybody ever heard of Peter's mother-in-law? A couple. How many of you know that Peter's mother-in-law had a miracle happen to her? What was it? She had a fever. Okay, Jesus was there. Fever gone. She got up and made dinner. Okay, how many of you would like to be Peter's mother-in-law? If you could go back in Bible times and pick your character, pick your person, how many of you would sign up on the table that says Mary, uh, Peter's mother-in-law? How many? Okay, how many of you would like to be Lazarus? Those are dangerous hands. Those are dangerous, dangerous hands. How many of you would like to be Saul? Peter? Why is it so dangerous? You know what you're signing up for when you say, I'd like to be Lazarus? I'd like to be friends, best friends with Jesus. Because when it comes down to it, he, Jesus comes to those that need him. He comes immediately. He helps the poor and the down and out. But when he's about to go, and he's, oh, that's Lazarus. Oh, Lazarus now. Mm. We'll wait a little bit on this one. You see, God needs to display his glory on the earth, and he's looking for, as the Marines say, he's looking for a few good men. He's looking for some lovers that will not leave him when it seems that God has betrayed them. You need to know this. That if you love the Lord God with all your heart, if you consider yourself a friend of God, there will be certainly times in your life where he will make you wait longer than you think you ought to wait. There may be times where the hopes and dreams that are in your heart will die before your face. Because he loves you so much. Not in spite of the fact that he loves you, but because he loves you so much. He will allow your dreams to die before your face. Why? Why, God? Why do you do this? Because it's for glory. Would you rather be Peter's mother-in-law or would you rather be Lazarus? I would rather be Lazarus. I used to pray. I have it in my prayer journals from seven years ago and I read it with horror. Oh God, do whatever it takes. Cut off my right arm. Cut off my legs. Give me a disease. Do whatever it takes to make me a buck wild, spirit filled, no holds barred, on fire man of God. And I read it and say, oh, damn. Be careful what you ask for. Be careful how much you want to love the Lord. He can be ruthless. But let's not finish the story there. Let's continue on. Jesus comes back. Four days later, now he comes back, and Martha runs up to him and says, Oh, God, if you hadn't been here, you'd be alive. And he says, Don't worry. Don't worry. Lazarus will live again. And she says, I know he will at the resurrection. 
When? At the resurrection. I want you to see that Martha now is a Christian sitting in church who believed for a miracle, did not get the miracle, and now has stopped believing in miracles. Are there any of those in this room? We believed for a miracle. We trusted that God would come, that He would move that mountain. And He did not come, and now we don't believe in miracles anymore. Now all our hopes and dreams are set on that pie in the sky someday when we die called the second coming, called heaven. There's nothing wrong with that, because it's true. All your problems will be erased. All your fears, all your worries will be fixed that day when Jesus comes. It is true. Absolutely true. But let me tell you that that is not what Jesus intended for us. He never intended for us to keep our minds and our hopes focused on that day somewhere, pie in the sky when you die. He said to me, the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but a matter of power. Do you remember those words of Jesus? He said to you, he said to the disciples in Matthew 10, 7, he said, go, preach the gospel. Say, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. How far away is at hand? At hand. Is it when you die someday, the resurrection? Going to heaven? No, at hand means what? It means you can touch it. It means you can grab it. If you will stick out your hands, you can have it. He sent his disciples out to say, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So preach the gospel. Say to them, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely have received, freely give. Why did he do that? He said, you go and you say to them, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, it is here, take it. And the people will say, yes, I know, Lord, I believe when I go to heaven. No, 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 no. Here, are you sick? There, be raised to life. And he would do these miracles. Why? To show them that the kingdom is at hand. The kingdom is not the kingdom that we see. Jesus said it is like the wind. It comes through and you don't know. It's here already. The kingdom is within you. And to Martha, what did Jesus say? He didn't say, oh, faithful Martha, good. Keep your eyes on that day, on the second coming. Keep your eyes there. That's good. Be faithful. No. That kind of faith is an excuse for unbelief. Do you hear what I'm saying? That kind of faith is an excuse for unbelief. The faith that says all will be made well someday is an excuse for unbelief. We are commanded by Jesus. Go into the world. Heal the sick. We are supposed to be doing miracles in Jesus' name. We are supposed to see the power of God, to live the power of God, to know the power of God today on the earth. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he looked at Martha. He did not say, oh, woman, I have not seen such faith in all of Israel. Which he did say to many others, by the way. But to Martha, he looked at Martha and he said, you believe that your brother will be raised at the resurrection day when we go to heaven? He did not say, well done! That's the kind of faith I'm looking for. Mm, I like that. No. He looked at Martha and he said, Martha, I am the resurrection. It is not when. It is not where. It is I am the resurrection. And where am I? I am here. Show me where that tomb is. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Oh, Jesus is ruthless in his love for you. Let me know. I, you will suffer. I am divorced now. I did not see the glory of God. My marriage died before my eyes. You have lost some people. You have lost some of your hopes and dreams. You have lost some of your battles. And Jesus did not show up. 
But he comes to me today. And he says, it's going to be okay. And I say, I know, Lord. I know when I get to heaven. No, 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 no. No. I am the resurrection. I have something else in mind for you, my loved one. You that loved me. You that believed in me to the point of death. I have something special for you. Oh, oh yes, I did miracles for these people. I cured a hand. Oh, oh, you thought that was so cool. Oh, Peter's mom, she had this fever. Like, whoop, fever gone. You thought that was cool. Lazarus, Mary, Martha, for you, my best friends, I have reserved my most special work. And this is the verse that we use today for the text. This is my, my favorite verse in this whole thing. He says, it's in, it's in John chapter 11, verse 40. He says, did I not tell you? Didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would what? You would see the glory of God. Let me tell you that when he does not come, he has a reason for not coming. And his reason is glory. The greater the glory, the greater the glory. The greater the glory, the greater the glory. You love the Lord and He loves you. Don't question it. He may take you to the edge and He may save you at the edge as He does sometimes. And you may face the edge and you may die there. But when your dream dies, don't you, don't you start doubting. Don't you start giving up on miracles. Don't you give up on the miracle like Martha and say, I know, I guess in this world we just suffer and miracles don't really happen anymore. He really doesn't move mountains. Don't go there. Don't put all your hopes and dreams on the resurrection someday. That is not victorious living. We have to live in this, this enigma, this conundrum, this discombobulated situation where he lets your dream die in your face and yet at the same time says, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. He is a magician. He is a powerful, miracle-working God and he takes the dead and brings it to life. It doesn't always come back looking the same. I doubt that Lazarus was the same man after the resurrection than he was before. Do you think he was? Do you think he carried himself the same way before? Do you think he was afraid of sickness afterwards? Do you think he was afraid to go into a room with somebody that had leprosy afterwards? I think that when Lazarus came back to life, he must have been a new man. An on-fire man. A man of God. Do you know the Bible says that when he came to, Lazarus came to life, it was then it was first recorded, and then they sought to kill Jesus and Lazarus. Why? Because a man that has died and been resurrected is a powerful witness. It destroys the kingdom of the enemy. So you see what God is looking for? He's looking not for a simple little miracle, a simple little I love you. No. He is looking for something to display his glory on the earth and destroy the works of the devil. He did not come to destroy sickness. He did not come to destroy fevers. He did not come to destroy a, a, little, a little pain in the heart. He did not come to destroy you know, your, your relationship problems. Jesus came to destroy death. The only way to destroy death is for somebody to face death. And he was looking and Lazarus said, maybe, maybe on the sea of glass. On the sea of glass before we were born. Because the Bible says, I knew you were before you were born. Perhaps, just in my imagination, indulge me if this is totally sacrilegious. Perhaps we were on the sea of glass and there was a table and it said, choose your glory. And Lazarus, he saw that table. He said, what is that table, Lord? With a huge trophy on it. And Jesus says, no, don't go there. No, but Jesus, that's a big trophy. 
How come those tables have little trophies? This table over here, it says, a happy life. But the, tra- the, the trophy's small. Well, you can have a happy life. You can have it. And, and the cost. Oh, what's the cost? Not much cost. Oh, that's a nice trophy. But Lord, what's this huge trophy over here? That says testimony on it. What is that? Oh, I don't know if you want to go there. I do, Jesus. Oh, read it. And it says, but Lord, only on the cost, it just says you will give everything. That's right. Well, I don't know about you, but if I were there, Lazarus and I liked to sign up at the same table. I don't know, I've always been a glory monger. Whatever. I want to see God do amazing things. I know I would have signed at that table. I want to see God's glory. I want to see him do something cool and amazing and powerful. But you know what that paper said, don't you? What was the cost of that trophy, that glory? Oh, in the back room, there was a huge trophy, and everybody said, what about that one, Jesus? And he said, no, 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 that one's mine. We said, Lord, what could possibly be the cost of that trophy? And he says, you don't want to know. Lazarus signed up, and God did something special through him. If you believe, you will see the glory of God. A part of my life died. And then I began to see the glory of God come into my life. A friend came to start telling me about all these miracles he had seen. And I started hanging out with him week after week after week. And we're talking about miracles. And I got more into talking about miracles and prayer and power of God. And my life began to rise up in the power of God. And I started going to these prayer, prayer meetings where we would believe in prayer and believe in the power of God. At the same time, my nephew, Lucas, was born. Lucas was born just the day after my birthday. And he was born with a hole in his heart. Do you know what that does to a new parent, to have a baby born and the baby's not right? I mean, I had to stay in the hospital just five days for my daughter. No big problem, but it was terrifying, your first child. And my nephew was born with a hole in his heart. The surgeon said, this kind does not heal. It's an LSD, hole in the heart, whatever that is, special kind, will not heal. Either can do open heart surgery now and risk death because he's too young to handle the surgery. Or you can wait till he's 12 and risk heart failure. And then when he's going into heart failure, you can rush him to the ER and get the surgery then and maybe he'll survive it then. How does that sound? Nice? Nice options? But if you believe, you will see the glory of God. And God began, through my pain, through my suffering, through the agony I'd been through, he'd, I'd been desperate and hungry to see the glory of God. And going to these prayer meetings, we brought, we brought my nephew Lucas into these prayer meetings, and we prayed over him. Prayed over him. And there were people there that, 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 that spoke over him. They said they, they were, they were in, they, God was saying to them that this boy would be healed. And we're like, what? How can that be? How can God speak to people in prayer? But he does. He said, this boy will be healed. Two days later, we're sitting with my brother, who's a physician, listening, who had before, always before, when he listened with the stethoscope, would hear, shh, 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 because there's a hole leaking. And this time he sat there, listening. And I remember he sat there for five minutes, which is a long time of silence, five minutes. And he finally looked up and said, I don't know, but I can't hear anything. Next day, they took him to the specialist, the car, baby, the neonatal cardiologist or whatever they call these kids, baby heart specialists. Now on my brother's mantle, there is a letter that says, 
your son Lucas has an LSD, whatever, hole in the heart, must have open heart surgery, da, 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 irreparable, unhealable. On the other side of the mantle is a letter that says, there is no longer a hole in the heart. It is unexplained, but there's no need for follow-up. It is totally healed. Amen. I began to see the glory and the power of God come into my life, and I began to see that there's reasons that God wants to display His glory and manifest different ways in our lives. Different ways in our lives. Soon after that, I, I, for the first time in my life, I was single, and I had no reason to, to listen to anybody telling me what not to do or what to do, and I, I wanted to do, and try an experiment. I had wanted to try my whole life. You know, in the book of Malachi, there's a dare from God. There's a dare in the Bible from God in Malachi that says, give him money and he will give you more blessings than you can handle. And I had all my life wanted to dare God by giving him all my money. So this month I did. I said, well, hey, I got no reason not to. I gave God all my money for that month. I won't tell you my stories, though it was an amazing miracle field. So I'll just tell you my friend, the story of a friend. Two other friends joined me. There's two pastors joined me in this month with no money. I just want to tell you one. My friend, his name is Hernan. He works in Los Angeles in a church in Los Angeles. You might know him. And he had no money. And one night he was at church at 9 o'clock at night. And a big church in, down in L.A. somewhere. And he was saying, Lord, I'm hungry. Man, I sure would like some dinner tonight. But, you know, if you want me to fast, I will fast. But I have no money. Pretty soon he heard a knock at the door. And he went to the back of the church. Way at night, at 9 o'clock at night, who would be coming to the church in L.A.? Unchains the back door, opens it up. Who do you think was standing there? A chef with a big white hat holding a tray with all kinds of gourmet dishes ending in chocolate-covered strawberries. The glory of God began to descend upon my life and the lives of others around me. I've seen my entire family revived in the power of the Lord. I've seen churches changed, students' lives changed. I've seen so many good things that people often ask, they often ask me, and they say, if you could go back, would you change what you've been through? And I say, I would do it a thousand times over. Because the, the, God has glory in what he does. He never loses. Love never fails. God is a powerful and mighty working God. He will do his finest work in your worst hour. Know that. That in your worst hour, He will do His finest work. It may not look like you think it's going to look. Lazarus certainly thought he was going to survive it, but he ended up dying. Even after Jesus told him this will not end in death, it did. You may think that God has lied to you, but in the end, you will see He didn't. In the end, you will see what He says all along. If you believe you will see the glory of God. God still moves mountains, but guess what? Guess what? Sometimes He allows those mountains to fall on us first, to crush us, to break us, to take away everything that we were before, to completely redo who we are. Why? So that He can pull the mountain away after and take a broken vessel and remake it with all the glory that he wants to pour in. God takes 
that mountain inverts it, cuts a hole in it, and fills that mountain with the glory of God and pours it over your head. My prayer for you is that you will stand, and no matter what you face, you will stand and you will say to anyone that asks, I don't know anything else. I don't know anything else. But my God said, this will not end in death. And they'll say to you, but why are you saying that? It already died. Oh, but you don't know my God. You don't know my God. All I know is that if you believe, even though it is dead now, you just watch. You believe with me, and we together will see the glory of God. Let's pray. Father God, oh, you can be ruthless sometimes in your love for us because you want such greater glory than we are yet able to handle. I pray that we will not break, that we will not shy away, that we will not get bitter. I pray that we will stand and hold on to your hand, even when it seems you have lied to us, even when it seems you have abandoned us, even when it seems you do not come. I pray we will not let go of your hand and that we will, we will just suffer through it, knowing with all something inside us that the glory is coming because you are an awesome, majestic God. Pour those, that mountain full of glory upon each of our lives. I pray for every mountain that was raised, a hand was raised here. These mountains, Lord, I pray you move these mountains, break them apart, and pour your glory over them. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.